welcome to The Brave New Workforce, the podcast that is changing the way the world works. Today we have a special guest, Ryan Cooter. Ryan is a Silicon Valley tech veteran. He's been a marketing executive at companies such as eBay, Yahoo, Busy, EcoATM, and various other startups. We actually overlapped at both Yahoo and eBay, which is where we first met. And now he's been with the Techstar Startup Accelerator for almost six years and is the managing director of Techstars Anywhere. Welcome to the show, Ryan. Thanks, Larry. It's awesome to be here. So let's start out maybe telling us a little bit more about Techstars and what that's all about. Yeah, so Techstars got its start back in 2006. Uh, it was four guys out in Boulder, Colorado, uh, who'd been doing some angel investing, and they thought that there's a much better way that we can do this. And so they ran their first Techstars class in 2007. They made small investments and then put in a lot of time and energy into helping those companies be successful. And from that first class of 10 companies, uh, they saw a ton of success. Companies were able to raise money, go through M&A. And so it took kind of that... Um, you know, the 90% fatality rate for startups and flipped it on its head. Um, and today we run somewhere around 45 accelerators around the world. Um, according to Crunchbase, we're one of the most active early stage investors on the planet. Um, the Techstars Accelerator that I run is called Techstars Anywhere. And it was our very first remote first accelerator. And we were focused on companies who, for whatever reason, couldn't or shouldn't relocate for an accelerator program. Um, and so we've been running Techstars Anywhere since 2017. Uh, and we're currently in an open application period for our 2021 class, which will be the fifth class for Techstars Anywhere. Wow. So I noticed that you guys started this long before the pandemic. <laughs> so it's like, yeah, this is like did, three yeah. years before the pandemic. Hit. So you're ahead of the curve. What made you guys see that the future was to embrace remote? So, you know, Techstars has been a largely remote company, like for a long time. We're like ourselves, we're about 300 people or so scattered across, you know, 19 countries around the world. Uh, and so we, we are a mostly remote company ourselves. And as you go through this process of building out all these accelerators, we meet a lot of founders from a lot of different places. Thousands and thousands of founders a year come through Techstars. And one of the things that we started to notice is that there were opportunities that we were missing out on because for whatever reason, a founder couldn't go to Seattle or to Boulder or to London or to Tel Aviv or to Melbourne or to Singapore or wherever the, the nearest accelerator to them was. And so we asked ourselves, like, could we create a Techstars experience built on the Techstars platform with the same intensity and the same so that we could provide a Techstars experience to those founders without making them relocate? And those reasons are, there's a bunch of them, right? Like some founders had employees. Some founders had customers that they worked with closely, like in, like in the real world. Uh, and some founders had families, right? Like, and so uh, we started Techstars Anywhere as a way to be able to work with great companies, regardless of where they were, because one of the things that we believe at Techstars is, is that talent is equally distributed, but opportunity is not. And so that was kind of the, the genesis for Techstars Anywhere. And so we're coming up on our fifth class now. Fifth class. Well, wow, that's fantastic. So one question that we had, because we were looking into this is, do you only accept companies into the accelerator that are remote themselves? Or do you also accept startups that they might be co-located as a team working in a single location? Yeah, it, it's a it's a really wide mandate for us, right? Anybody doing anything anywhere. Uh, so we do not limit it to um, startups that are remote themselves. Um, and the reason for that is, is that every company has its own culture, its own way of working, and its own set of rhythms and cadences that work best for that. And in some cases, those are fully remote distributed teams. In some cases, those are fully co-located teams. And in a lot of cases, it's some kind of like hybrid mix of all of those things. And so one of the things that we believe is that 
a company needs to find what works best for itself. Um, and that's kind of like what we're there for is to help them discover what those things are. So whether it's a fully remote distributed team of which we've had plenty, right? Or whether it's a co-located team of which we've also had plenty um, is irrelevant to us. Um, in previous years, we haven't even had a vertical thesis. There hasn't been a theme or anything like that. But one of the things that's happened over the course of the last 12 months is that the world's changed pretty dramatically, right? And one of the things that we believe at Techstars Anywhere is that there will be lasting changes to the way that we work and the way that we live uh, as a result of the changes in work patterns that are associated with the current pandemic. And so where we used to have uh, you know, kind of a, a tepid adoption of flexible work policies, right? Remote work policies or work from anywhere policies. All of a sudden in March, that went from, uh, you know, a, a smaller percentage to 100%, like overnight, right? If you had a job that could be done remote, your job was now remote. Like, good yeah, luck, absolutely. like, uh, you know, yep. get with this. And so what we're looking for in this next class, kind of the, the theme that we're really interested in right now, is both companies that are building out what that future of work looks like. You know, we're going to have different kinds of jobs, different types of careers, different career paths. We're going to hire differently, onboarding people, um, training, culture building, team management, collaboration, all these types of things will need a new set of tools and a new set um, of infrastructure to support it. And then in addition to that, one of the things that we're interested in is that once we start to see the way that the world changes, um, one of the things that we're going to be doing is like the way that we live will change along with it, right? Once we no longer need to have this nine to five construct, once we no longer have the need for us to be physically located close to where our offices are, we believe that that'll change the types of relationships that we have, the way that we consume entertainment and media, how we travel, yeah. uh, what neighborhoods look like, uh, you know, we, our freeways exist to move cars mm -hmm. from the suburbs yeah. to the city cores between the hours of 8 and 9 a.m. and 5 and 6 p.m., right? And once we start to break like the dependencies on those in-person networks, we think that there's going to be a lot of things that are different about how we live. And what is your um, thoughts on, like, I guess, a hybrid model that a lot of people are saying? They're saying, okay, maybe we are not going to be 100% remote, but we're thinking about being remote 80% of the time and 20% of the in-person stuff because I still believe that there's still a little bit of magic when you meet somebody face to face, um, would love to know your thoughts, Ryan, on on where that the future may hold for that. So, um, one of the things that we that we've done as we have grown is that rather than creating larger accelerators, what TechStars has done is we've created more small accelerators. And so, the way that we deal with companies that are around the world is that we actually have accelerators around the world. We've got them in London, we've got them in Berlin, Munich, Amsterdam, Norway, Singapore, Melbourne, Australia. Um, and, and then here in the United States as well. And so each one of our accelerators focuses on the founders that they can provide the best experience for. And so for Techstars Anywhere, given that I'm based in California and my partner Kendra is also based in California, most of the companies who we work with happen to be based within US time zones. For companies that are outside of those, we've got a lot of Techstars options around the world that will allow them to have that great experience. And so that's the way that we've approached it. And there's a lot of different ways that we can do it. Um, Techstars Anywhere is a remote first accelerator. It's not asynchronous. And there's still a lot of things mm -hmm. that we do together. And so as we've designed these experiences for founders, one of the things that we've taken into account, like as, as experience designers, is what does this look like for a founder? Um, and because there is a lot of um, synchronous work that happens, there's a lot of creativity, a lot of brainstorming, a lot of uh, working with mentors and things like that. Um, we've primarily focused on US companies with international founders, usually looking for Techstars accelerators that are closer to where they happen to live. Interesting.
I, I, I think that I think that one of the things that Trip was talking about is I think that he was talking about like it sounds like he's in Philadelphia or something like that or or somewhere located outside one of these key startup hubs, right? And you've got some of these communities that are well developed and they've got investors and they've got employees and they've got a lot of things, right? Like you've got uh, you've obviously got San Francisco Bay Area and Silicon Valley, kind of like which is the most evolved ecosystem. You've also got New York, you've got Los Angeles, um, you've got Seattle, uh, and, and Boston are kind of like some of those those key hubs, but there's a lot of people that are starting businesses in Atlanta and in Portland and in Columbus, Ohio, or Miami, Florida, or even right here in San Diego, California. And so one of the things that we think is changing a lot is the um, the dependencies upon in-person networks are becoming disintermediated, right? And there's a lot of things that we start to see where networks are no longer reliant upon the ability to get together and have coffee with one another. Um, one of the things that I wanna be really clear about on this is that we believe that there's a lot of value that comes with in-person interaction, right? And I think we see it, like you, you talk about uh, like Zoom fatigue and like how tiring it can be, like having everybody, like not seeing people, right? Like that, that gets tiring. And so we believe that there's a ton of value in getting people together. But we don't believe that it needs to be like the primary way that people communicate and build networks. One of the one of the things that I absolutely love about it is, you know, just for our TechStars Anywhere community, our, our mentors and our alumni, we can be having a conversation with a founder in a current class and be like, oh, you know who would be interesting to talk to here? Uh, Quinn, who happens to be in San Francisco. Let's ping Quinn and see if Quinn can jump in and join our conversation. And because we don't have to be in any particular place, yeah, like magically, that's fantastic. right? Like, you yeah. can like teleport places like it's it gives you a, a lot of flexibility it removes a lot of the constraints that physical presence brings right but like if if your primary way of building your network is based on who you can be near you're naturally limited based off of geography and proximity and so one of the things that we love about doing our program remotely is is that you know the mentors that our companies get the opportunity to work with the alumni that we get the chance to to work with the the, the companies that we get to recruit do not have to be anywhere near where i am right they can be wherever wherever makes most sense for them um, and so i think that one of the things that we value is that kind of flexibility and the way that we're able to expand that network yeah. Yeah. It's interesting because like Trip and I, we met in Canada at a conference like six or seven years ago. We've met physically twice, mm -hmm. but we've been chatting through Slack and video chat for the last six years. And Anna yeah. and I have never met in person. We've been chatting through video chat and Slack for three years, four years. I don't know. Uh, yeah. But we've been running this this podcast without ever being co-located or even getting together. And as you said, I think it'd be super valuable. I mean, I saw the same thing with my teams is that having a visit about once a quarter, every couple of months, mm -hmm. having dinner together, drinks, you know, it builds that bond, that humanity. We just love it. But once you do that, the work digitally, virtually becomes that much easier, which yes. it, it kind of, it lubricates the whole, the whole process. But I love what you said that you could just bring somebody into a conversation because we could have done that before, but we never did. It's kind of funny. Just click. Yeah. yeah. Interesting. One of the things that we had uh, as a thought from the very beginning was the tech stars had always been about building these really tight knit networks of people in person. And you would take these 10 companies and you put them into a co-working space and they'd work shoulder to shoulder for 13 weeks, right? Like early in the morning until late at night, just like grinding together uh, and helping each other out and building that kind of camaraderie. And one of the questions that we, that we asked ourselves is how do you recreate that when you've got teams that are scattered around geographies. And so from the very beginning, what we built is we built kind of like a hybrid and we actually refer to Techstars Anywhere as our mostly 
uh, in parentheses, uh, virtual accelerator. We get together the first week of the program, the middle week of the program, and the end of the program. And the reason why we do that is that these are kind of like some of the key moments in time for that kind of relationship building, right? It's the hello, it's the goodbye, and then it's like, oh, I've missed you guys. It's so good to see you again, um, right in the middle. And so we have always started Techstars Anywhere in person. Uh, and during that week, one of the things that we're doing is we're doing like a lot of qualitative work around these companies around, you know, who are we as entrepreneurs? What is it that we're building? Why are we building it? Who are our customers? What are they buying from us? And how do we tell this story? And as importantly, we're spending time getting to know each other, like where we come from and how we've built this so far and how we wound up here together in this room. Uh, you know, we eat together, we drink together. Um, you know, we, we do our first session typically in San Diego. Uh, you know, so we go down and we take a walk on the beach like one afternoon. And then like, these are the kinds of things that enable us to build those relationships. So that after the end of that week, when everybody goes home, they've got this new group of peers and, and more importantly, friends who have the same shared experience that they've got around this accelerator program. And then we work remotely for five weeks and then just enough time for people to get to miss each other. And then we bring them back together and we do the same thing. We go to interesting places and we do interesting things while we're there. And, and by creating these kinds of unique shared experiences among people who are doing similar things at a similar time in their lives, not like age-wise, we've got a wide range of founders from their 20s to their 60s in most of our classes, um, but they're all starting businesses together. And that can be a really lonely experience. And so we spend a lot of time working on building those in-person relationships augmented with the remote work of actually building the companies. Ryan, since your portfolio works more with companies outside the Bay Area, do you find that more of those companies are focused on real world problems, for lack of a better term, versus say very technology centric solutions or more Bay Area problems? So first of all, I want to be really clear and say that I don't believe that uh, deep technology is the province of any particular geography. I believe that there are brilliant engineers like all around the world, not just around the United States, but in Europe and Asia and Africa um, and South America, like who are building really interesting technologies that have the power to make a huge difference. Uh, and so it's one of the things that we believe firmly in. Um, we see different problems being addressed, right? Because, uh, you know, in the Bay Area, like, who are your customers in the Bay Area? Like startups, right? Like other small SaaS companies, like, you know, and so, and so what you wind up with is you wind up with founders who are building for audiences that they know and understand very, very well. And there's a type of audience that is really well understood in the Bay Area. And there are other types of audiences that are really well understood in other parts of the country, right? Whether it's, right, you know, ag right. tech in the Midwest, or, uh, mm -hmm. you know, there's, there's just like a lot of interesting things that happen when you start to say, what happens when I start to bring together and, and look at like diverse founders with diverse experiences who are building for the world that they know, right? Because everybody knows something different. And so I think that that's, it's important to recognize that you find not harder problems or softer problems, but different problems, different problems um, that are yeah. worthy of entrepreneurs to be addressing. So what are some of the interesting things that you're seeing, maybe even in past um, sessions or cohorts, what's coming up that you think is uniquely positioned to, to live in this new world that we're in to help us be much more effective in collaboration and building that human connection and so forth. Yeah. You know, if I knew <laughs> my job would be a lot easier, right? Like, sure. Um, yeah. But, the, but there are some trends that we start to see, right. And, and I'll, I'll break them up into kind of two parts. I think there's like the work trend and then there's the life trend as well. Um, it, and it's very difficult to tell right now because nobody knows what post-COVID looks like for certain, 
right? And so what you've got is you've got a bunch of people who are making guesses on it. Um, but we've seen some industries that have been really hard hit, right? Travel's been really hard hit. Live events has been really hard hit. Um, uh, in, in-person entertainment has been really hard hit, right? Any place where you get into restaurants, of, yeah, yeah, restaurants have been really hard hit, right? And so what yeah. you start to see is you start to see a lot of entrepreneurs are kind of like reimagining how these things work. Like, um, you know, what new kinds of entertainment like happen from our homes, right? Like things that go on in our backyards and our living rooms. Um, if we're not going to bars and clubs, right? If we're not going to concerts, right? There's a whole bunch of things around live streaming and, uh, you know, the, how do you use the big screen TV that's hanging on the wall in your house to bring, you know, the, the outside in? Um, there's a lot of things that we see in terms of like, lifestyles right in terms of how people live there's like this massive movement towards um you know van life and nomadism and you know people downsizing and moving out of city cores and so like what needs to exist to enable people to do that not just like from a work perspective but for the like everything else. like where do your kids go to school right like how, how do you do remote school. I don't know if anybody listening right now is doing remote school right now, but let me tell you, like, it's hard on the teachers. It's hard on the kids. It's hard on the parents. Like, but I was talking to my wife the other day. I'm like, do you, do you believe by 2028 that public schools will not have a remote option? Like almost guaranteed, right? Like, like I, I believe yeah. that it's almost a foregone conclusion yeah. that there'll yeah. be pub. And, and then once you get that, like who lives in yep. the districts, right? When the district's on the internet. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Good point. Uh, so question, Ryan, have you noticed the difference in the people that tend to be thriving under this current situation and uh, those that seem to be struggling a little bit more? You know, these are some of the things that, you know, we certainly don't have the answers for. So uh, we, hopefully we screen for that, right? Like I, I would hate to put somebody into an accelerator who I thought would struggle with it. And so there are some traits that people have, you know, there's, there's like this organization and discipline, I think that's required to be an effective remote worker. And the reason for that is that when you're in person, like people can come and talk to you on the shoulder and, you know, you can thrive with all the distraction when you're a remote worker. Um, it requires a degree of intentionality that exceeds the intentionality that's required if you're like an on-prem worker or a location-based worker or whatever, right? Because you don't have that same kind of support structure that's like keeping you on task and keeping you focused like all the other people around you uh, which is like another really interesting thing which is how do you recreate that in a remote world like what does a what does a co-working space look like how do you work with people when you're not with people right like there's a lot of interesting questions that come from there so um one of the things that we really look for is discipline intentionality like can you like document things well, like how, like how well do you, uh, you know, uh, communicate like written versus verbal. Um, and so there's a lot of things that I think, and, and I think that people can also get better at these things, right. As you get thrown into remote work situations, like if you're one of those people whose job has changed significantly over the last couple of months, like you get better at it by doing it. And so I think that that's also an important thing to recognize. So Ryan, I love the Bay area. There's so much going on there, but one of the things that's exciting about this investment outside the Bay Area is that you have the opportunity to pull in the unique character of the areas that you're starting up new companies. How do you avoid just transplanting what makes the Bay Area great into these new areas and sort of having that culture overtake the local culture? Which is, I think, an interesting question because I think there's been some concern that 
through technology like what we've seen with Facebook and how that's impacted our, our society, Twitter, Uber, and so forth, is that it's, it tends to be kind of a dominant solution that changes the culture where they land and, and how things are being done. But I think, like you were saying, if we start to see the startups and things coming from a culture where something else is much more important and dominant, like ag tech is a great example, or fintech, I talk with people in Australia, and it's like they aren't dealing with the same things we're dealing with. A lot of the the problems they work with are very different than Bay Area stuff. And we had a bit of a disconnect when I was there last year trying to talk about what I was doing and what they cared about. So is there is there a risk, I think, of of us starting to paint the world with our brush and changing how they approach things? So I, I think it would be very difficult to affect cultural change on a level like that, right? Like an, an exportation of culture from a very small and defined region that would be super disruptive outside of that region. And I think one of the things that we see is that different areas, even within other major tech hubs, have their own kinds of culture and their own types of problems, right? In Boston, you get a you know a lot of the robotics and the hard tech. Here in San Diego, you get a lot of the life sciences and the bio and the genomics. And so like different things evolve based on the workforce that happens to be in a particular place. One of the things that I think that we will see is that as place becomes less important for these particular types of jobs, you'll have you know, genomics people who don't need to live in San Diego, right? They can live in Tahoe or Omaha or wherever they happen to be because we're able to take those jobs and move them around. And so what I think that we'll see is rather than any kind of like exportation of, you know, cultural homogeneity, I think what we'll start to see is in places where there had previously been some degree of homogeneity that we'll start to see more diversity in those places as we break these location-based bonds that have tied people from particular industries um, or, or whatever into particular places. Right. One of the things that, that we've been talking about is that this could be a net positive, although it's going to be very disruptive in the, in the short term um, in an economic sense. And I'm already seeing a little bit of this in the Bay Area and some other places where uh, people who have you know these tech jobs, they have pretty good income and compensation are moving to smaller communities and bringing that, that, for lack of a better term, wealth with them to that tax base, people returning to Detroit, people setting up stuff in Minneapolis and places that didn't have it before. So we've been predicting that there may be a redistribution of economic opportunity and wealth that I think in the, in the end will be positive, but could be potentially be negative for the city centers like San Francisco, which is seeing a huge loss of the restaurant business. Um, and I don't know if you guys have looked at this or thought about it at least to see what is going to be the change in the economy, in the global economy, as we start to have more of these these opportunities all over the world. Yeah, these are big, heady questions, right? Yeah. And I, I, I don't know that anybody knows the answer, like, you know, but I think that, you know, this kind of like redistribution of talent is something that's really interesting, right? Like there are actually like cities that are recruiting you know, this tech diaspora that's like moving out with bonuses, or right? you can move out, you can buy a house for $250,000, right? On three acres of land and have horses and a lake, right? And they'll give you $25,000 to move there. Um, Barbados just announced, you know, that they're doing a, you know, a 12 month remote work visa, right? And you can go and you can get a place on the beach in Barbados for a fraction of what you can rent a place in the city in San Francisco for. And so um, I think that what you'll start to see is you'll start to see a lot of interesting things happen in economic development uh, teams, right? Like cities that are looking, they'll stop looking 
not that they'll stop looking, they'll always be looking for this, but in addition to looking to bring companies to relocate, they'll have much more of almost a consumer-focused outreach to bring individuals in, um, into those cities, right? Like San Diego is a fantastic place to live. Um, but if you're thinking of moving to Southern California, you should definitely go to LA. Um, but there's a lot of places where it's like, it makes sense for people to like to be incentivized to go there. And there's like smaller towns that are starting to do that. Um, so I, I don't know what it'll look like at a macroeconomic level. I think one of the things that's important for founders to realize is that we don't know what it'll look like. And I think one of the traits of a great entrepreneur is the ability to be able to read things, right? React to them and then iterate quickly, right? So that as we start to see how things shape out, like and we start to see the shape that the world takes as we move forward here, like how do great founders go out there and adjust what it is that they're doing to the changing landscape that they're doing it in? No, that's a really good point. No, I mean, I, I think the the very methodologies we've applied to try to be lean and agile are going to help us through this crisis because mm -hmm. we've seen that every month is different from the previous month and our expectations yeah. of what was going to happen. So I, I think all we can do is try to get as much data as possible and adapt as quickly as we can. That's a very good point. So Ryan, what about selection bias? There's always a, a degree of like hires like. How do you control for making sure that you're you're finding the right kind of diversity with the companies that you're working with how are you going about selecting those types of founders uh yes we have a selection bias and it is for great founders that are building great products for big markets um good answer <laughs> so here, here's the reality of it is that one of the things that we have really strived for is to create an accelerator that is accessible to people regardless of who they are or where they're from right um and as a result like when you think about diversity in venture capital the diversity that we've had in Techstars anywhere um like outstrips that 20 percent of the founders that have gone through our program have been black founders uh, which is a historically like significantly underrepresented uh, group of founders. Six out of the 10 CEOs from our last class uh, were women CEOs. Uh, two of our CTOs were women CEOs, where, where women are, are greatly underrepresented. Um, and so one of the things that we've tried to do at Techstars Anywhere is we've, we've tried to make it a program that is accessible above all else so that great founders don't feel as though they have to like self-select themselves out of that process. We run an open application, right? There's like no warm introduction that's necessary to get a meeting. You just got to, you know, fill out our application and tell us about the business that you've got. That's fantastic. Not many early stage venture capitalists can tout those types of metrics. Like in the venture industry as a whole, I think one of the things that's important for all of us like who do make investment decisions is to recognize that we have bias. Um, and to become aware of those biases so that, um, you know, so that we can actively work in order to create kind of like this equitable path that we'd like to be walking on. Um, and so really understanding like for yourself where you've got these unconscious biases, um, I think is something that's really important. And so we're proud of the work that we've done, done to build, um, you know, an accessible accelerator. Um, and and we're, we're pleased with, even though we recognize that there's always more work to do, the level of diversity that we've been able to achieve as a result. That's fantastic. Do you, how long do you stay with the companies that are in your accelerator? I mean, do you guys stay in touch after the program and help them through ever. their future funding? Um, it, it's one of the, it's one of the yeah. things that I think is really great. We look at the 13 week accelerator program 
It's kind of like the beginning of your experience with Techstars, right? Once you get out, you're going to go out, you're going to raise some capital, you're going to hire people, like you're going to have much larger investors that come in, they write you much bigger checks, right? Like our, our, our checks are relatively small compared to, you know, if you go out and raise a five or a $6 million series A round, you're going to have people writing you like multi-million dollar checks, right? Like that's, and that's non-trivial. And so really what we're here for is to create relationships with founders that will last a lifetime, right? We come in very, very early. We really help them get started. We we want to be that support infrastructure that they know that they can always turn back to. Um, you know, and that's that's kind of one of the things that's important to us. We are incredibly active with our portfolio companies. Like we've got a very active Slack channel. Our mentors and our founders are constantly still talking to each other, even years after the accelerator program has ended we regularly have uh, you know one-on-one -on -one meetings with our founders and we we double down when they're going through transitional periods right like if they're raising a round of financing or if they're launching a new product if they're expanding into a new country and one of the things that's important to recognize is that techstars is for life like we are not done with you like once the accelerator program is over and your demo day has has aired like we are there always and i think that being able to maintain that connection to that community is one of the things that makes techstars special that way so what advice would you give a founder or the founders listening to this that are trying to figure out how can they be relevant in this this world that's changing so rapidly and relevant in a way that they could be, you know, somebody that could secure founding, somebody that could be you know, accepted into your accelerator. So yeah. what advice would you share with them? It's hard because it's a different piece of advice for everybody, right? Like, because people come in with a different set of strengths and a different set of weaknesses, and they've got certain things in their business that are well put together and other different kinds of gaps. And so I'm not sure that there is a generic bit of advice for everybody, except for this. Understand where you're strong, understand where you need help, and get really, really good at finding help. Right. And that's why they say, you know, being able to hire is kind of one of those key traits for a CEO. Like most small teams that are starting businesses have the skills that are necessary to be able to get to the next phase. Right. And that's one of the things that we look for. Like, do they have the skills that are required to get to whatever this next stage is? Because that next stage will typically come with a financing round and a financing round means that they can hire people, which means that they can add skills into their team. But what's important is that where we're at now, we can get to where we need to be. Right. And we've got the skills and the ability to be able to do that. And so I, I think that really understanding how to how to how to a identify what it is that you need help with and then B, how to find that help are skills that are going to be useful no matter who you are or what it is that you're working on. No, that's great advice. Also, so learn to code. Learn to code. <laughs> <laughs> Something I should have spent a lot more time doing. Yeah, yeah. I agree. <laughs> uh, so where can folks go to learn more about Techstars anywhere? Yeah, well, there's a couple of places. Number one is I talk about a lot on the internet. So if you follow me on Twitter, I'm at Ryan Cooter. Um, but also, if you just go to techstars.com, um, and, and like I said, you know, like uh, the, the program that my partner Kendra and I run is called Techstars Anywhere, and it is our mostly virtual accelerator. Um, currently, all of our Techstars accelerators are running at least partially remote, right? Um, and so there are a lot of options. There are always applications that are open for Techstars programs around the world um, because we do have a four year history running remote accelerators. It's given us the opportunity to be able to move our operations in a way that is effective um, for founders into some of our traditionally in-person accelerators. And so, uh, you know, our hope is, is that 
whatever new normal looks like that we're able to get to that as quickly as possible. But in the meantime, I think founders should feel secure and knowing that regardless of what Techstars program they think is the best for them, um, that we're going to be able to deliver them a world-class accelerator experience that people have come to expect from us. That's fantastic. Thank you so much. Ryan, I just want to thank you for joining us today. Really appreciate it. I mean, this is this is a really unique perspective on trying to get into an accelerator and being a startup in this challenging time. But yeah. I really I feel like you guys have a really positive attitude about it and you're you're making it work and you're seeing, you know, as we've been saying, the silver lining in all this, that there really yeah. is some exciting opportunities. You know, starting a company is always hard right? It's always hard. And then you layer on like what's happening to all of us right now. And like the level of difficulty increases, right? And I think one of the things that's really important for founders to think about is to find your community, right? Find the find the people that are going to be there to be able to help you because we're all good. Every single one of us needs, you know, help in some way right now. And so, you know, if you can find that community, like, just know that there's people out there who empathize with what it is that you're trying to do here and that um you know we we believe that entrepreneurs are going to be the ones that are going to pull us through this they're going to they're going to be the ones that invent the systems and build the tools and you know create that new economy and that new set of jobs that are going to be the the things that pull us through well guys thanks for listening in on this fantastic episode if you'd like to follow us or um, if you have any questions you can email me at anna at thebraveworkforce.com or you can visit us at thebraveworkforce.com. Thanks so much and have a great one. Fantastic. Well, thanks again, Ryan. Thanks, Larry. I really appreciate having me on today.